0: Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast. This show is intended for information purposes only, but we're not experts. We're just two guys within the Bitcoin community. Bitcoin is an experiment in the separation of money and state. You'll be surprised how many will support that. And adoption is the only thing that matters.
1: Welcome to a special episode of the Bitcoin Podcast. I think we're up to number 57. I'm your first host, Marcello. And I'm host number 2, D.
0: Host number 3, Corey. Uh,
1: This great episode is brought to you by Escrow My Bits. Uh, Let me tell you a little bit about them if you're unfamiliar, if you're listening to the show for the first time. It's super quick and easy. All you got to do is just register and deposit your Bitcoin. That seller is going to ship your item, you check the goods, and then you release the funds. It's super duper simple. They charge a small flat escrow fee of just 1% on all the transactions, and they even offer you the ability to split the fee with the other party. So they've thought of everything. You know, Escrow My Bits was created to solve all the problems wrong with the type of escrow services currently around, and their goal is to make using escrow as simple as possible. So me, D, and Corey, we want there to be no more excuses on why not to use escrow so go to their website to start that process and then I do want to mention I do want to mention that they have a launch of an open Bazaar mediator service, so what that means is uh they're not gonna let you escrow your shit on Open Bazaar or escrow my bits, but they also offer moderation services uh so that's pretty cool. What kind of stuff does that open up for their customers fellows
2: so Basically, it's like this on Open Bazaar. Guys, if you haven't used Open Bazaar yet, do, because it's awesome. And uh more popular it gets, the more eBay gets disrupted. That's just a plug. But Open Bazaar is just like the name says. It's one giant place where you can find anything you want, and you go into shops, and people are like, take your time. Look around. Enjoy. Okay? <laughs> now, when you find something that you do want, okay, you can either pay for it straight out be a complete idiot, and just send the money to somebody you don't know that's in some random spot on the globe, or you can use the mediator service, moderator service on Open Bazaar, and it's basically like what Escrow My Bits already does, except it's escrow through Open Bazaar, so they're a dedicated moderator, and since Escrow My Bits already does escrow, why not use them as a moderator, because they're good at it.
1: And they'll have a blog post up about all that shit. So yep. uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, pretty so cool. this whole this whole episode, aside from that, I got to thank Corey for taking the reins. Uh, I, I think there's, there's two coins to it. Uh, first off, we're going to talk about Slock It because they are disrupting the billion dollar disruptors by enabling anyone to rent, sell, or share their property without middleman. So that unused bicycle in your shed, it gets a new lease on life. Parking spots can be sublet on demand. Rental apartments become fully automated, and this is built by people of the Ethereum project. We had, you know, Joe Lubin on a couple of episodes ago, and they integrate blockchain nodes in pretty much connected objects. And since it's built on top of the Ethereum blockchain, it's always on. There's no downtime. It features cryptographic security by default. There's no logins. There's no sign up. It can be audited by anybody. And then. On the other flip side is something I knew nothing about, and there's been a lot of talk among Ethereum enthusiasts lately regarding a concept known as the DAO or the DAO or the DAO. So I'm going to hand it on over to Corey, who can just school the masses on kind of what that is, because the whole episode is built around that.
0: Yeah, I, I want I want our interview to do the majority of the talking on this. There's been a lot of misconceptions, controversy, misunderstandings, on what the relationship is between a DAO, which stands for Decentralized Autonomous Organization, and the Slocket team, which is a company that hopefully or will submit their proposal to the DAO to work for them and create a product. Uh, So we're going to talk about that in the interview. Uh, We have, um, they're a real, I, I spend a lot of time in their Slack because I've followed them for quite a bit. I like what they're trying to do. Um, and I reached out to Stefan Toole, the founder and COO of – or co-founder of, of Slocket and COO, and he said, yeah, let's do an interview. He does uh, he was quick to jump on and talk about it and try and um, fix a lot of the things. So I think we should just get into the interview and then, and then discuss more afterwards.
2: Sounds like a plan to me. And this
0: oh. is
1: an exclusive, right? Ain't nobody my- – Nobody got the inside on this. But well, these us.
0: guys, these guys. I, if you look around YouTube and and all all the things online, you can find interviews with Christoph Schitz. He recently did a podcast with um, the Ether Review to explain a lot of things. They 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 talk a lot. Uh, Stefan Tool also is very prolific in his blogging on Medium.com to kind of give um, milestones, updates, what you can do, what they plan on doing, et cetera. I felt through a lot of it, there's still so much that people don't understand, like the overall picture of what's going on and why they're doing it this way and so on and so forth. So I wanted to try and get them on and break it down at a much, I guess, higher level. What's the point? What does it mean? And uh, answer some of the questions that that people are having and having issues with. All righty.
1: I just like that the whole experience based on sharing items. They improved upon it by trusting the other party as unnecessary as possible. Like, you're freeing yeah. the users from having to coordinate with each other. And in turn, that makes sharing better. Like, I think that's genius.
0: It's a, it's it's an agreed-upon contract, and once the contract is signed, it's, it's immutable. You can't change it. And then, and especially with something like a lock, I say you can open this lock from this point this time to another time frame. You can open it and close it as much as you want. But after that, you're fucked. So... That's and that you can't change those rules. And if you agree upon it, you pay for it, and that's that's all there is to it. With you know, and so as you when you when you put embed those types of things into a blockchain and the payment that goes along with it, it takes a lot of the middleman and controversy out of of the process of making deals like this.
2: Absolutely, I think I think we should just get into the interview. Let's get into the interview, and then let's talk about what went down afterwards. Yeah. You guys ready? All right. Here it is. Good deal. Awesome. I sent out a I sent out a tweet or retweet of one of your uh medium posts and I said oh, nice. uh, we need to look for John Connor. Because I read your Oh, I saw I
3: read, that one, yeah.
2: Uh <laughs> do we need to seriously look for him? Because from what I read from the Dow and Slocket, the robots. I don't know. I'm just concerned.
3: No, no. Um, Well, the thing about smart contracts on the Ethereum blockchain is that they're what's called deterministic, meaning that um, there's no place for randomness in them. And if there's no place for randomness in a computer program, then you don't have to worry about uh, them becoming self-aware or anything of that nature.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Touche. So... We have Stefan Toole with us today, the CEO of Slockit, and um, first off, we'd like to say what an exciting week. Um, the DAO, the D-A-O, Decentralized Autonomous Organization, has entered its creation phase and has already raised over 9 million U.S. dollars in about a day and a half or so. Um, it's been barely over a day. Uh, so congratulations. It's it's pretty exciting.
3: Yeah, I mean, congratulate the uh, members of the DAO because they're the one who owns that money.
0: That's true, but they're, they're giving you money
3: in, in, <laughs> to create the Ethereum computer. Well, I mean, yeah, if they accept the proposal, that will submit to the DAO. So that's that's sort of um, what makes this project really unique is it's 100% owned by the people who help make it happen. Uh, we ourselves, we just created a framework that we made open source. And then they rolled with it. They had one instance of it. We said, right, that's the right instance. And in 28 days, we're going to submit a proposal to them to build this Ethereum computer and universal sharing network. And we'll see, uh, you know, how much funds um, they'll give us. I mean, we're obviously going to ask for a specific figure uh, based on the scope of the proposal, just like any, you know, client-supplier relationship, really.
0: Yeah. Actually, a lot of people have... A hard time trying to put, wrap their minds around what this GAO or DAO is. And mm-hmm. I heard yeah. I heard such a sim- simple and concise way of explaining what a DAO is in made a media video with uh, Christoph, your co-founder and CTO, I believe. That's right. Um, yeah. He said, it, it is simply a trust of money that is controlled by the people who put money into it. And it's pretty much that simple, but it's decentralized, uh, au- automated, transparent, and the transparency are what set it apart from traditional ways of
3: doing things. Do you have anything to add to that or any corrections on on such a simple explanation? No, I think it's rather spot on, you know. Um, The idea is proposals will be submitted to the DAO, and the DAO will be in a unique position to go and pick the ones that have synergies between them. So, you know, we're doing locks and the Ethereum computer and access control and the universal sharing network, things that relate to the sharing economy. Some other guy might be doing some self-driving car for urban environment like Mobotic does, for example. How about submitting that proposal to accepting that proposal and working synergies between Socket and these guys, just like any organizations, just like any other company would do. Okay.
1: So do you think that this is something that people who don't even understand cryptocurrency should jump into and and if so what do you think is the easiest route to go from like you know straight up cold fiat cash to the DAO tokens
3: Um so on the on the framework that we've made available cuz we've made all that stuff open source including the creation module that people can Look at on dohub.org now so that anyone can recreate that if they wanted to. Uh, we've also partnered with exchanges um, that have made it a little bit easier to go um, to ETH. And the problem is Ether, right, as as you just alluded to, is that, well, you know, normal people aren't familiar with cryptocurrencies. And the DAO, being a smart contract on the Ethereum network, cannot speak anything but cryptocurrencies and in particular it can only speak Ethereum for now until, until Serenity, the next version of Ethereum that will have um, currency agnosticism and all that good stuff. But until then, it only speaks ETH. So exchanges like Kraken, BT, Gatecoin, Bitrex have um, partnered with us uh, and created bridges, if you will, between users and the DO to make it a little bit easier to go from USD to ETH and so on. Hmm.
2: It's uh, So when it comes to your Slack, your Slack is huge. I mean, you have thousands mm-hmm. of users. Uh, most of them simply waiting for news about when they could invest or asking questions <laughs> that didn't quite make sense. And there's a lot of misunderstanding when it comes to mm-hmm. the DAO, DAOs in general, Ethereum, mm-hmm. Slockit, and its relationship with the DAO, et cetera. You know, there's a lot of gray areas. So, what do you think is the most damaging misconception? and how do we fix it how do we get the word out to like make things clear on what's what
3: well, first of all thanks for that because <laughs> that would make my life a lot easier oh, yeah sure. i <laughs> mean it's it's actually pretty straightforward you know we're ethereum fans we've been part of the ethereum foundation i was the cco for ethereum and christoph was part of ethereum and lefteris was a uh, lead developer on on the c++ client for ethereum so we want ethereum to succeed what we've built is um, this uh, framework that allows to create deals and deals were um, devised uh, well not entirely devised by Vitalik Buterin but I certainly was myself interested in them after reading the paper by Vitalik Buterin and I thought wow that's brilliant so that's one thing and then on the other hand um, we have socket the company that builds these fancy locks and wants to build Ethereum computer and so at some point we thought well you know it makes complete sense that will uh, help make a DAO possible so then it can hire us to build the Ethereum computer now the irony of this is that they're not forced to hire us so maybe we spent six months of our time and a great deal of money and effort and sweat to build this framework (laughs) and they never hire us because they think the ethereum computer is rubbish but i doubt that i think it's a really cool product and i think they'll invest in it but we'll see
0: (laughs) and then you just end up really good altruists (laughs) pardon so then you just end up as really good altruists creating things
3: that are good just for the sake of doing it well, I mean, technically but speaking, Ethereum was. The, yeah, I mean, technically speaking, Ethereum was just the same. People have forgotten about this because maybe it's been a, a year or two or whatever. Um, but uh, if you remember back in the days, you know, you had us work day and night developing the Ethereum protocol. So Gavin, Jeffrey, Vitalik, these guys were working really hard on that, uh, with no promise of it being successful at all. And they were making the code available as they went. So there were already people forking Ethereum before Ethereum was Ethereum if you well, And mm-hmm. some people were saying, yeah, oh, we're going to deploy a fork before Ethereum. Isn't that hilarious? We'll take over. Uh, you know, we'll do it without the pre-mine, et cetera. Um, and in the end, obviously, um, I think there's still an element of trust in these things. And the public decided that Ethereum was the Ethereum by Vitalik Buterin, or the one that Vitalik Buterin was uh, behind, so to speak. Uh, but it could have been another one. And in our case, it's the exact same situation, you know? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: So what happens if the DAO funds run out of money? How, how would they raise more?
3: Well, I mean, first of all, they, it's a for-profit DAO. So the, the really cool thing about this is when we started Ethereum, we did it entirely not-for-profit, if you remember that. And the problem with that, of course, is the big question was what happens when the foundation runs out of money? So um, in the case of the DAO, which could, by the way, support the underlying protocol that makes it possible, that is, it could support the Ethereum protocol itself by funding projects that help Ethereum, such as Swarm, Whisper, IPFS, or even the EVM, the Ethereum virtual machine itself. Um, you, you're in effect looking at something that looks like Foundation 2.0, but for profit. Um, and, and the hope is that uh, by investing in these projects, in uh, Slockit, in you know Whatever other proposals are coming up, and I'm aware of a couple at, at the very least, um, it's going to start earning revenue from those projects, and it won't need to raise any further uh, Ether, if you will. However, if it was to do that, then all it would need to do is vote on a proposal to create DAO 2.0, which would have... What you could call a second round, and in in within that second round, it could value obviously give more value to the initial token, just like you know Series A, B, C, D. The initial investors uh, aren't diluted; their shares just go up in value. But that would be for the DAO to decide how they want to do this. You know, that's actually at this point, uh, as of yesterday morning, that's no longer under under our control. That's if they want to do this, and they'll have to submit a proposal for the creation of something like that.
0: Mm. I see. So um, assuming your proposal goes through, uh, the Ethereum computer is what Slocket is first being contracted to produce. Uh, If I understand correctly, this is meant to be the central device in a person's home that connects all smart objects to each other and to the rest of the world as well. So um, it also will run Ethereum, IPFS, Whisper, whatever else the user wants to run on it. It's like a small Mm -hmm. computer. Uh, this, goes, this, this really goes a long way to decentralize the Ethereum network, as well as making it widely available with a low insurance barrier. As Slocket, you obviously benefit from being paid to design and manufacture and maintain Correct. this. How does oh, yeah. the DAO benefit from
3: this? Right. So um, that's, let's, let's go back on your first point because that's super important. Now, where do we make our money? That's the big question that everybody seems to miss. We make our money by taking a profit out of being paid by the DAO to develop this stuff, just like any other supplier. You go, you go have a house built, um, the contractor is going to charge you X percent more than it costs to put the bricks together and having his workforce and whatever, right? So it's a client-supplier relationship. And just like any other client-supplier relationship, the client wants the supplier to be successful because if the, cli- if the supplier only relies on the client to eat, at night, um, then obviously that's not going to be a very good supplier. Their employees are going to be underpaid and so on and so forth. They're not going to have access to the latest and greatest technology. So that's how we make our money, right? And pretty much nowhere else. I mean, you could argue by selling the Ethereum computer itself, but I'll get back to that in a second and I'll explain why that's not such a a great source of revenue, at least not in my view. Um, How does the DO benefit from that relationship? The DO benefit from that relationship by what's called the universal sharing. Network, which is, if you will, the program that runs on the Ethereum computer. And out of every transaction mediated by the Ethereum computer, the DEO takes a percent. So if some person rent his house or some tool or some white goods, such as a washing machine or whatever, through the Ethereum computer, then the DAO can levy a percentage. And that percentage is defined by the DAO itself, not by us, not by anyone else, but the DAO. And they vote on that. They just say, well, you know, right now it's 1%, but maybe if it was 0.5%, it'll be more attractive and we'll we'd make more money. Or maybe, well, you know, it's a little bit low, so let's put it at 2%. That's up to them.
2: Hmm. And so anybody who owns tokens of the DAO can submit these proposals?
3: That anybody can. Anybody wants a single token can submit these proposals and uh, have them voted on. Um, I think one point that um, you were talking earlier about misconception. I think one that's really important to understand is that the value of this stuff isn't in shifting 10,000 Ethereum computer units because you know we, if we shift 20k units, which would be a good number considering the field we're in, for something as niche as the Ethereum computer, I think that'll be a good number, but that's not going to make the deal a lot of money, right? So remember, we built the Ethereum framework uh, on the Ubuntu core operating system, which runs on a variety of devices from um, robots to uh, DSLAMs to routers to whatever else. And these guys, obviously, Ubuntu, Canonical, are in very good terms with Manufacturing suppliers of electronic goods such as Samsung, for example. Um, What I'm thinking is going to happen is uh, at some point, uh, one of those routers is going to support the Ubuntu core framework. And that means immediately support the Ethereum framework that we've put in place. And that means immediately supporting the universal sharing framework. So... From a Dell perspective, you know, the goal isn't to shift 20K units, turn a computer be done. The goal is to have this stuff on a million, two million devices, which automatically gives the people who purchase those devices access to. Um, you know, I don't believe in a box per application. You know, at, at the very beginning of the conversation, you said it's this central thing in someone's home. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, if you're a geek, Sure. It will work, and I will have one. But, but for my mom, it will be a TV or a router, you know? And that's where we want this application to be, and that's where we think the DO is going to make money. Oh, so oh.
2: you're not creating the Internet of Things. You're enabling the Internet of Things to have its own economy, kind of obviating human interaction.
3: Exactly. So, you know, Vitalik had a fantastic video in London where he talks about there is no killer app for Ethereum because it's all about synergies and it's all about enabling the utilities of the 21st century. In the 20th century, you gas, you have gas, water, electricity. In the 21st century, you have identity, you have reputation. And in our opinion, you have sharing because, you know, everybody using sharing stuff these days. Right. And we want to make that a protocol. And we want to make we want to put that everywhere. We're not competing against Airbnb. In fact, we met them pretty recently. Um, we can enable them lower their operational cost, and in exchange, the deal will get that percentage, which is minimum. I mean, if you compare, you know, how much the deal would take versus Airbnb, we're talking peanuts here. You know, one percent versus ten percent.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But so, uh, shifting shifting gears a little bit. Um, within a year, we're going to see some really large applications or or dApps, decentralized applications, start operating on the Ethereum network. Right now, it's pretty quiet in terms of transaction volume, which really keeps the gas price low. What effects do you see happening when you, Augur, Plutus, and everyone else start running simultaneously?
3: Well, obviously, I mean, in my opinion, the very soon uh, the rewards, if you will, from mining uh, will stem mostly from uh, gas reward as opposed to block reward. That would be the first step. Obviously, then that sort of brings a question mark around scalability, but, you know, we're shuffling where the puck will be. I mean, the Ethereum computer isn't out in 2016. It's probably 2017, maybe even 2018. By then, Ethereum will have switched to proof of stake, and we might even see some early version of sharding in place, which will alleviate the load. And I think the economics of the network will be completely different by then anyway. I mean, proof of work, you know, it's dead man walking stuff, you know? Mm -hmm.
0: Definitely.
1: So, Stefan, if I had to ask you to put on your tinfoil hat, what does the world look like in five years?
3: Oh, dear. I left my crystal ball in the other room. so um, <laughs> I'll give you
2: time. You can go grab it. Let
3: me go grab it. Um, you know, I, I don't know is the answer. I, I, I One analogy I, I really like is BitTorrent. Um, I remember when BitTorrent came out, um, there was this notion for a lot of people that all of a sudden... All transactions for music uh, and videos will be done on the BitTorrent network, right? So there was this idea that the uh, traditional music industry uh, was about to die and be replaced with just sharing files and having these little music uh, things uh, that we could buy, you know, the uh, sorry creative labs had a very good player, things like that here comes the iPod and the, and the iPhone eventually, and now we have iTunes. So in the end, it didn't use the BitTorrent network, but it's the BitTorrent network that created the impetus for a change of um, the way, changed the way people interact with music, period, and some company took advantage of it. So... How blockchain will impact the world? I don't know. Does that, does it mean that in five years, 10 years, 20 years, everyone's using blockchain? I, personally, you know, I don't think it will be that, that uh, rapid and that fast. Um, but I'm sure that it will have impact on some businesses, which will be disturbed by other businesses. And we don't know what that form that might take. That might take the form of blockchain that might take the form of something else. And, and, and one one more thing on that, by the way, you're never going to sell anything by saying it's blockchain-enabled, right? That's nonsense. Just like no one ever sold anything by saying, ooh, it runs MySQL or it runs Hadoop. I don't... <laughs> right? No, nobody cares, right? Wow. Uh, uh, <laughs> people care about benefit. Is it cheaper? Is it faster? Does it make my life easier? All right, I want one. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. technology for the sake of technology, that's nonsense.
2: That's making it so simple. And I think the community the as the cryptocurrency digital currency community as a whole doesn't quite understand that yet after so long that uh you just got to keep it simple for everyone so
3: yeah very simple i mean you know i tried to explain bitcoin to my mom a trillion times and she doesn't care. <laughs> you know? yeah. like, and why Why would she? I mean, she's got this uh, NFC-enabled card, and she wants a Starbucks coffee. She just tap on the reader. I mean, if I tell her, go and grab an app and uh, type your code and then scan the thing and wait for one confirmation, she would be like, are you kidding me? You know? mm-hmm. um, this thing's got to be made very, very easy or else people won't use them. That's definitely
0: true. Uh, okay, we have one more question for you, unless you want to say some other stuff, things afterwards. Uh, we asked this to all our guests In 10 words or less can you explain ethereum
3: hmm. 10 words or less well, that's quite the challenge
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's why we like it so much
3: um it's a computer we all have access to but only pay for what we use is that under ten words?
0: T.
2: You count that. Uh, computer will have access to, but have to pay for it. No, that's not under ten.
3: <laughs> oh, I failed. I failed. But that closed. was my best bet. Yeah. That was my best. Don't best worry. Bet. The
0: smarter, the, the smarter people we have tend to fail as well. So, uh,
3: next time, next time.
0: Yeah. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to say or mention or talk about while we while we have you?
3: No, I'm just really excited to have, you know, it was really nice of you guys to to invite me on this show and uh, to be able to uh, hopefully clear out some some misconception about what we're trying to achieve. And, you know, if people have more questions, there's daohub.org, uh, which is the community site. And if people have questions about our project, it, then there's sluck.it. And they can, we have a big Slack there, which is like a chat forum, and people can come and ask all sorts of questions.
0: And people yeah. definitely do. I've been around and watched for a long time. <laughs> yeah, cheers. Yeah. All right, Stefan, we greatly appreciate you coming on the show and trying to clear some of this stuff out for us. Uh, thank you very much.
3: Yeah, thank, thank you, me. sir. Have a good one. Cheers. Take it Take it easy. Bye-bye.
2: And that was the interview with Mr. Stephen Tool, the co-founder. Stefan, sorry. Stefan Tool, the co-founder and COO of uh, Slocket. And if anything... His smooth, articulate explanations of everything should get you a little bit interested in the work going on over work going on over at Slockett. Um It's they're doing things that have never been done before, and that's what makes this space so exciting. Is it's the excitement in trying to pave the way for things to come. It's like everyone involved in this space, aside from the people that are ready to take profits when this space reaches
0: its promise. What's really cool? Right, I I'll, I'll, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I thought you were done. <laughs> um, I was trying to find a
2: transition bridge, and I just I just fell off the cliff. So don't All worry right about it. <laughs> you can
0: go ahead and what's, take. What's off. cool about this with with Slockit and the Dow. Is that while they were creating the company Slockit, they were going to do the traditional crowd sale, type, very much like a Kickstarter type of thing that a lot of people have done in the past. And then Vitalik wrote this idea of the decentralized autonomous organization and they really fell in love with it. So simultaneously, they created this framework to create something that would, that works. It's, it's, I mean, this would be considered a minimum viable product, DAO, DAO. And that it has everything that's necessary to work and work properly and to be trusted, but it doesn't have like what's could possibly work in the future in terms of how these things work. And they just decided to develop, create and release this (laughs) separate from themselves so that they can be funded from an organization like this. They, They, and it would, it would be, I wouldn't be, it wouldn't be hilarious, but it would be very interesting if they make a bad proposal and they did such a good job creating the framework for the Dow that the Dow just says, eh, "No, we're going to move the money somewhere else or come back with a better proposal." And that would be kind of wonderful to see that the object that they made to get themselves funded made them work harder and be better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, all of this is on you know, is very transparent and open, and and it's we'll see how things work out. It's definitely going to be interesting, but. Um, we've been doing quite a bit of, I guess, indirect advertising for um, funding the DAO and that telling people, and we've gotten some interest from our friends, especially people who have no idea about cryptocurrencies and they want to know how to get in. Yeah, uh, I kind of looked about, and if for people who don't know too much about cryptocurrencies, the best thing that they could possibly do is go to DowHub.org, after they do a certain amount of due diligence and figure out what they're investing into, which I would recommend going to Slockit. I don't know, man. Going what? straight
2: from fiat all the way to Dow is kind of like going from 0Gs to 9Gs. Your neck what is going to
0: break. Uh, yeah, it's pretty rough. I mean, don't, <laughs> don't do it without like the help of us as we walk you through the process or someone you know that is into cryptocurrencies and understands them. Um But the website, daohub.org, has very good instructions on getting whatever money you have into Ether and then transfer it into DAO tokens. They have instructions. Um, they use something called Biti. It's an exchange that will uh, take direct bank transfers from a lot of different banks and then put those into DAO tokens into a wallet that you can create on the daohub.org website as you do this. So they've taken a lot of the pain process of new people coming into this because why? They should. As 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 an organization that's trying to gather money for a, a specific cause, you want to make the ability to put money into the organization as easy as possible. Absolutely. And because this organization lives on the Ethereum network and and only takes Ether, then... You automatically have a few steps because the technology isn't good enough to just make it happen in an instant. Mm-hmm. But they've Let's done look- a pretty good job of allowing you to, if you have Bitcoin, very easy. If you have money, there's a few extra steps because that process is, is slow, naturally. Slow. Infrastructure is slow. If you have Ether, it's, it's incredibly easy. Oh man, how long did that take us yesterday? Literally less than a minute, probably. It took me longer to sync my blockchain on my wallet than to get my tokens. It it is phenomenally fast. I purchased them. I purchased all of ours through the Mist client, and then it, backed them up.
2: Let's just take a listen to these values for the DAO, the Slocket DAO. Uh, this is their values. It's listed on their manifesto page, slash uh, manifesto Their values. We as a DAO ascribe to the following values transparency, democracy, decentralization, voluntary participation. That's not a word. Participation, (laughs) non exclusion, privacy, and the right to anonymity and non aggression. I mean, those are their values. And basically, you don't even have to call them out on those values because they're programmed into the
0: damn DAO. So, what's nice about this is it's almost a zero risk investment in the short in the short term before they make a proposal or accept a proposal and you have money in the dow you can just take your money back yeah so well you know, you
1: it, can put, it's an offering it's not an investment
0: well once once you could once the dow commits to a proposal then a per, a percentage or a portion of your investment goes in goes into that proposal and funds that company so for instance say um, this locket proposal gets accepted the DAO votes on it. They, exact- they have the proposal and they act on it. So they execute um, this proposal. Now, a, per- a percentage or portion of what you put in goes in to fund that and mm-hmm. say you want to take your money out. All right. Well, you can take your money out except for the part that went into that proposal.
3: Mm.
0: And so it doesn't really matter what happens. If you don't like what's going on in the middle of it, you just take your money out. And you're back where you started.
1: This is the crowd sale, correct? Sorry, what? The crowd sale that's going on. Is that related to this?
0: Yes. the crowds, Well, I guess it's not really a crowd sale. It's a—it's like the creation phase. It's the, init- like the initialization of the DAO, which means they're just – whoever wants to put money in, now's the time to put money in. And then they find out how much money they have, and then they decide what to do with it. And they start – and then people who have tokens, who've put money into this GAO, will write proposals on what they want to do with some with money that's there. Mm-hmm. And then people who also have tokens will vote on those proposals, given these, a certain number of rules. These proposals that are written,
2: are they like a traditional proposal that you'd write up to someone? Or are they? does it have to be code? Do you have to write a bunch of code and then submit that and then people go through the code? Or can it just be like, hey,
0: I would like to submit a proposal that does this, this, and this? Yeah, I don't know. I'm sure there's a, there's a plain text version of proposals that could then be translated into whatever they need to be. But I mean, a company needs to submit a proposal okay. for a relationship. Um, that's and then, true. We talked about that so, in the interview, right? It's kind of like yeah. a client, uh, contractor. Yeah, it's exactly okay. what it is. It's a client. It's a contractor and, a, and, a, and an investment partner, or a company that funds contracts. The Dow wants to enable products to be created because they want to enable creating the Internet of Things and the economy associated with the Internet of Things. Interesting. And they get paid when people use what they've created. But in order to get these products, they have to pay physical companies to make them, because the DAO is just a bunch of money.
1: Mm-hmm. It's, a, then, it's like a decentralized hedge fund.
0: It's exactly what it is. So it's it'll,
1: just, it'll invest in whatever proposals the investors themselves vote for. And then the, and then the investors will share in the profit or the loss.
0: There's no, I guess, yeah. If it's, if it ends up not making that much money, then they invested in a bad, poor investment. And so the ideal, ideology of the masses who approved that proposal was, was, was poorly chosen. Hmm. And so if there's a proposal going on that you don't necessarily like, you think it's terrible, take your money out. Interesting. So if you think it's gonna lose money and just take your money out. I think that But you can't put your money back in.
2: I'm interested to see where this know. goes. I myself have invested in it, so to be full I guess full disclosure to anyone listening, I've invested yeah. in it. Um not too much, but enough to say like, hey, that was a pretty smart thing to do and it shows that DAOs are a good way to go when it comes to running an organization and I'll put more money into them but um, oh, uh, yeah. go, ahead. go ahead I was going to say that
0: uh, it's just, this is the first iteration of this so where this goes and how it works will either say well that was dumb or this is the way everything should be done or this is a like the percentage of most companies should be done this way because it's smart or all the people who have come together with a certain vision of doing something but can't enable that vision by themselves should probably do a DAO because when you put a lot of money with like a little a lot of people with a little bit of money makes a lot of money mm-hmm. and when they come together to try and do something they have the ability to do it because when you amass a bunch of money you have a little bit of, you have you have much more power as opposed to individuals with a little bit of money. Hmm. So all these forums in the world who have gotten together and discussed things and they say, yeah, we should do that one day or oh, maybe one day uh, this will happen. They actually now have a vehicle to start to try and do things that they're trying to do as opposed to just talking about them because the people in these forums could come together with all their money individually and then vote on things they want to do and make big things happen. Mm pretty
2: pumped about this i I feel like crypto is maturing the entire industry of crypto is maturing to a point where it's just going to be phenomenally awesome in the next few years how does this fit with bitcoin we are the bitcoin podcast and and recently we we, we're definitely uh, diversifying our umbrella under things that have caught our interest and it's obvious that all of the development and engineering not all but a good amount of energy is in the ethereum network right now. And so but how does this fin- benefit the bitcoin network do you think? I think it goes to the analogy um we used a few shows ago where bitcoin is like uh gold and ethereum is like gas or oil.
0: Yeah. Over time ethereum may not be a good unit of value for for holding its fluctuation may not be very good then DAOs may not want to hold bitcoin and as time goes on you'll be able to have a ethereum to bitcoin peg and they can hold bitcoin Man. or something else it's still it's still very young in time and things like this and, and and the future of ethereum is to be cryptocurrency agnostic do you, so you think there will be a take whatever they want
2: a bit ether like there is a petrodollar huh, who knows yeah i know that'd be crazy but
0: i, I think it's it's we're for enabling cryptocurrencies in general, yeah. And what they allow humanity to do. We're not we're not just Bitcoin. We're called the Bitcoin podcast, but it's more broader than it's that.
2: Capital B, and you guys know what that means. That's the technology, not the currency. Lowercase B.
0: The all these use cases that haven't been able to be done before, and that's what's interesting, at least to me. That's what I care about. And using these things for what they're made for. And then using them synergistically is really great, which is what we talked about in Plutus. That's another application of these things coming together to make something that hasn't been able to be made before. Yeah.
2: It's uh, looking like good times. What do you got, Cello? I think you were going to say something, and you.
0: No? Cello is away.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Where'd he go? Did we lose Uh, it? I'm sorry, I'm here. It sounded like you were going to say something, and then you.
1: No, I was. Uh, I'm, I'm taking what Corey's saying, and I'm cross referencing it with my own research, and now it's really all starting to make sense. What I think Ethereum and Bitcoin. I, I I don't really have that many questions. I'm just trying to understand it, and I I've been noticing that Ethereum and Bitcoin both have very clear purposes, and they did not just magically pop up out of thin air. So I'm thinking this Dow is 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 in the same way. A crowd sale, like you told me, it just indicates a sale of something. It doesn't mean that, you know, there's any weight into it. So I'm not saying it has to be a finished project. An idea is something. I'm just trying to figure out what the purpose of the DAO is, and I'm I'm learning that as,
0: as, so this, uh, as of today. So this particular DAO, it's the, a, a DAO is a generalized framework for decentralized organization. This particular DAO, which is called the DAO because it has not named itself yet. That's something that it will vote on to do um, is for enabling the Internet of Things to have a commerce amongst itself. And every time machines pay each other or rent or something like that from each other, then a cut of that gets back to the owners of the Dow. So we've amassed this giant amount of money from individuals around the world. And then now we have a decentralized way of figuring out what to do with it mm-hmm. for the, the idea of pushing forward this idea of the Internet of Things and its economy. Absolutely. So if you have yeah. an idea, if you have a group of people around a certain idea, you don't have any power to do anything about it typically if you have no money behind the idea. This is a way to put money behind the idea so that you can do something about it. In a very it's just, uh, democratic and decentralized and transparent, safe way.
2: Go ahead, Joe.
1: I just, I agree. It's just, I, I guess, you know, I was introduced to Slock and uh, DAO at the same time, so I was associating. Uh, it was like, well, this is Slock, Slock's DAO, but it's not. I mean, uh, it's DAO's turn to grow and turn into its own thing. It's a, like Corey said, it's a decentralized autonomous organization. So. I'm trying to separate the two. The problem is it's not Slack it trying to do trying to own the Dow. The problem is people having a hard time realizing the separation and truly understanding that the Dow is a thing and Slock.it is a company. Now that I'm making that separation, I'm 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 better understanding the two. Yeah. So,
0: imagine imagine the scenario. You're a company, you and you're with a few of your friends, and you've come up with this fantastic idea for doing something. It's it's brilliant. It's going to take over the world. You think it's really going to be the bee's knees and, and be awesome, right? Now, how do you get funded? What are the traditional ways of getting funded through something like this? You put, you put on a bunch a of suits and you, you go to people suits, with money. You go to people with money, and then you're at the whims of these people with money, and it's it's one person or a company, and they have a lot of power and say and so on and so forth. So, as a company who has a really good idea. And, and, and you know that it will sell what if you come up with a better idea of being funded so what Slocket has done is created something that's bigger than themselves because it's something that they would want to be funded by and they want it to exist in the world hmm. and then they're still just a company a, a for-profit company mind you they, they say it right out in the open They and their proposal will say how much money they plan on making but it's they've created something that they want to be funded by because they think the people who vote on the proposals for the DAO will make better decisions than traditional ways of funding companies.
2: Should we submit a DAO creation for our make it rain app?
0: <laughs> I don't well yeah, we'll get around to that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we need to be funded, guys. Strippers gotta live too yeah um man. this is a lot to wrap one's head around. I'm still wrapping my head around it it's the that's the coolest thing about bitcoin everyone listening is that this rabbit hole is endless like it. I remember three years ago when I got into this, it started out with like, here's this crazy magic money, and now it's to the point where like, oh, automated organizations, like what? Companies making decisions by themselves, just immutably, decentralized, <coughs> and unfuckwithable. Shout out to Kid Cudi. <laughs> uh, it's, it's some mind-blowing stuff.
3: Mind-going I got one stuff. more
1: question before we go. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to better understand this. Can can the can the DAO elect to support proposals that that eventually support the development of Ethereum protocol itself but for profit this time?
0: I would imagine so if you can come up with a good way to do that. The DAO can elect to do anything. They can they can elect to pay whoever so this they is, want under whatever terms they want.
1: That's interesting, man possibilities man this could become the equivalent of like a a foundation 2.0 for ethereum itself
0: yeah it definitely could or there could be a different DAO that does the same thing right now this will probably be the one because it's along the lines of enabling the internet of things and the worldwide computer uh so and so far there's a shitload of money in the Dow, they got nine million in two hours or something nine like that. Half. It's almost it's almost ten mm-hmm. million right now, and it's two days in. <sighs> two days,
1: shit, man. You That's know, a, a lot money of people are move. waiting
0: to invest till the last day before the one ether to hundred tokens changes.
2: Yeah, I think it goes to one point five ether to one token. Let's look at some of the signatories here. Uh, Vitalik Buterin, I'm just going to number the number that are on the Ethereum Foundation. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine people from the Ethereum Foundation are signatories for the DAO, the one that Slokit made. And one of them is Vitalik Buterin. So, Cello, I think you're right on that. I think they're kind of probably going to go towards a direction where um, this becomes a Foundation 2.0. So uh, that's this, becomes, what
0: I'm this becomes the block stream of Ethereum, except we're decentralized and a little better. Yeah.
2: What
1: are you saying, Joe? Uh, I mean, I'm I'm seeing the same things you're seeing. So uh, I, this is the future infrastructure of the sharing economy. In addition to all that, I mean, yeah, this man. is super super big. I'm excited.
2: Yeah. I'm starting to get those like. Uh, those original Bitcoin butterflies and uh, prickly hairs on the arms that I got when I first underst- yeah. like truly saw Bitcoin's potential. So,
1: like, who is this guy that we can sit on this episode for like three weeks?
2: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No was big like, deal. If, if you guys would have heard the background conversation, like Stephen Tool, let's let's we could just put that out whenever Corey was like, "Hell no, it's got <laughs> to go out ASAP." The people need to know. Give the people what they want. Okay, so I don't That wraps it, it up. Do we, we have wrap questions? Up?
0: Listeners, if y'all have questions or hate mail or anything like that send yeah. it our way.
2: Yeah, here's, we'll here's the thing. We're, we want to have a highly active community behind the Bitcoin podcast. Um, we're very reachable right now at this point in all three of our lives. So I think that if you send us a message on Facebook or if you send us a message on uh, the website um, Corey, you not Corey, but we're fine. We're trying to find out how to get a channel on Slack, right? Oh, I can do it. I just haven't decided I want to do it yet. Okay, so we're gonna decide if we want to do it because we're always weary of trolls. But I love fighting trolls, like that scene in that second uh, Lord of the Rings movie, <laughs> where Legolas <laughs> we is on the trolls. top of the ramp, just shooting arrows into trolls' eyes. Like that's me right there. Bring it on. Troll me if you want to. Uh. Anyways, yeah, reach out to us, guys. We want more involvement with you guys, because we know you're listening. We have the stats. Unless some random person released a bunch of bots on the internet to, like, get our stats to go up. No, that's not what's happening. We know you're listening. Reach out to us. Uh Facebook, Twitter, you know the usual spots. Google the Bitcoin podcast. You'll find us. We'll pop right up. Um We out here. Yeah, we out here. Um I can't Very say informative that. A,
0: episode. You can say that. Give it a shot. No. No. Just no. try, man. No. I'll do it. I'll do it secretly one day and I'll come out with it. Practice in front Maybe of you. Maybe our drunk episode. I have to practice a little bit. <laughs> 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 All right.
2: Well, everyone, uh, thank you for sticking around. Very informative episode this time. Uh, not too many jokes. Um, kind of serious about the Make It Rain app Dow. Um But, anyways. Uh, Play the outro.